we got an early start. We're gonna have a ball. We're gonna ride the surf. And that ain't all. Nothing is greater than the sand serpents out there. Unrack their boards just as soon as we get there. Stack them in the sand while they're breaking just right. Yeah, we're surfing all day and we're swinging all night. Vacation is here. Beach party tonight. Well, it's been a year and a half of being stuck inside, and Slums is finally back with an episode that's all about the joy of being outside, at the beach specifically, until something grabs you and kills you. It could be a genetically mutated fish, a hot teenage vampire, an underwater zombie, or just a plain old humanoid from the deep. But either way, no one gets out alive after today's Beach Party Massacre. Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from amputation, masturbation, menstruation, and castration. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. What's new? Nothing. Nothing's new. Nothing's happened in the, the last few months, year that I can think of. It's just been kind of yep, blast. Kind of normal. Learn. Nothing to report on. Just kidding. Yep. Let's go back for a minute. So when was the last season? Was it 2019? Yeah, it was summer of 2019. It was actually two years ago, exactly. All right. Because now it's June 2021. Yes. It's a little missing time there. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right when we left, I said that I had some really exciting news that was just about to happen. We couldn't really share it because I wasn't positive. You want to tell them? Yeah, you moved to California. California seemed like it was going to be great for the next couple years. And so I jumped at it and packed up all my stuff and moved out to California. I shouldn't lie. I did love it for the first few months. Like the weather's beautiful. And my job was like really kind of like new and exciting and stuff. Then the state closed. Then everything closed. Yeah. Yeah. And then pandemic. So pandemic closed down everything the week before my 40th birthday. So I had my 40th very, very much alone. But on Zoom, which was novel at the time. Now I can't stand Zoom, but yeah, well, I'm sure you're not alone. But we got through it. Both of us managed to keep our jobs, so yeah, we, we were, were employed very through the whole thing. We talk all the time. We watch movies over Zoom and stuff, and we had talked about doing another season of the podcast. But you can tell them why we didn't do it. But, well, because of Zoom, we had a new work environment. Everybody had to kind of adjust how they work. Those people who still had jobs, including yours, and so you were on your computer. I, I swear, like 20 hours a day, all the time, all the all the time. The last thing you wanted to do was sit in front of your computer again and do research or whatever. And, you were kind of cranky about it. I was super cranky. And but at the end of the day, if I had some time, I just wanted to go outside because California, the weather's nice. Who knew? I've been an East Coast kid my whole life. So right. I had heard about it, but it, I didn't really understand it until I lived out there. And I was like, you can just go outside whenever you want. There's no rain. There's no humidity. It's great. Yeah. So I stalled for a really, really long time. And then as things started to ease up a little bit, and work out a little bit better and, you know, started getting into the swing of Zoom a little bit. I, I called Tom one night and said that I can do six episodes and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And it was fine, actually. Still a little rusty, but oh, we're, we're getting... we're rusty as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lie to these people. Get... You were rusty as we're fuck. We're going to get so better. Us. Give yeah. us a little bit of a free pass for at least the first half of today. I kind of have a bullshit episode, so that'll kind of get us back into it. It's not right. too heavy. Pretend it's season one again and great on a curve. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But we'll get better as we go. But it's it's nice to see you. I I never wanted to do this like on the phone or no, like on or Zoom. Zoom. And no. So once we were able to, we got to see each other during pandemic, but it was tumultuous. And there were a lot of COVID tests and family members. And yeah, and a lot of things. Quarantines and stuff like that that we had to do in order to see each other. But we did see each other a fair amount during yeah. the pandemic, considering. So yeah, we were um, fortunate. I'm glad we're doing it, but I'm glad we're doing it face to face. I didn't want to mess with the format. I mean, I didn't want to do it anyway, but I really right. didn't want to mess with 
in the format. <laughs> format I'm doing. Right. That being said, we hope those of you who are tuning in got through the pandemic okay. I know I think we were a little fortunate, Slate and I. We hope you folks out there also got through it okay and your yeah. families too. But enough about this pandemic shit. Let's talk about Beach Massacre. I have a little bit of a heavier episode that comes later in the season, but I thought I I would start off with just kind of a big, dumb, stupid episode that I've been threatening to do forever. This seemed like the right time, so I'm super excited. We talked about I moved to Venice Beach, and right before the pandemic, my parents came out to visit. And one night, you know, we decided to stay in. We had been out, you know, going all around Venice and and Malibu and everything. Yeah. And so I said, well, tonight we'll watch a movie and we'll just order takeout. And so when I was choosing the movie I thought well we should watch a movie that happens in Venice Beach my parents live in Virginia they've always lived in Virginia their entire lives they they travel but like this was very new to them to, yeah. you know that obviously California culture is much different than East Coast Virginia culture definitely so I started just doing all the research of all the movies that were filmed in Venice Beach and then I just started going down like this rabbit hole of just beach movies in general and so that was when I kind of decided if I did another episode of the podcast that I would do like a beachy type themed episode. I did Underwater Slaughter in the past. That was all about like, you know, monsters, Jaws and Orca and stuff like that. Well, so here is where all the people in costumes and the serial killers and all that come into play. So this episode is going to deal with parasites, giant worms, vampires, zombies, cannibals. The only criteria for this episode is that the horror aspect has to happen on land or like by the beach. So obviously it can't be a lot of like underwater stuff because I've already done that episode. It's a little right. bit of a companion piece. This is like the dry land version of underwater slaughter. I'm getting excited. So I know that sounds kind of like not a genre. I, I'm not going to try to argue that it is in this. I'll let you decide at the end. I will say that horror films in general, usually I also base the statement on nothing, begin as a premise of a pretty standard and usually scary location. Okay. So there's a lot of old Cabin in the Woods movies as seen in Cabin in the Woods, Evil Dead, Antichrist, misery, etc. You know, it's kind of like off of the beaten path, and you know, it's dark, and there's lots of trees and stuff like that. Oh yeah. There's the ocean, which is the location of everything in my underwater slaughter episode. There's space where no one can hear you scream, mm-hmm. and so it's a little weird that the actual beach, like a sunny, wide open spot where you can see something coming from miles away, it wouldn't necessarily be the most scary location for a horror movie, right? But especially as Americans are obsessed with the beach because it's you know, where city people go to cool off, there's hot people in bathing suits. And, you know, it's universally thought to be a pretty safe location for families and singles and old people. But not in this episode. This episode will hopefully ruin the beach for everyone. So that's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah. So let's start around 1958, 1959. In those two years, Hollywood saw some huge hits like Ben-Hur, which won 11 Oscars, setting a record which has never been broken, only matched. And South Pacific and Gigi, which were also Best Picture winners. Mm -hmm. One of the surprise breakout hits around this time was Pillow Talks, starring Rock Hudson and Doris Day. And this is, (laughs) quote, from the New York Herald Tribune, a melange of legs, pillows, slips, gowns, and decor that is about as light as it could get without floating away. Have you seen that? I have. My mom always used to talk about it kind of like a a risque movie, which it kind of like wasn't at the time. It was very kind of like G-rated, you know, like innuendo type of thing. Right, right. But that's where sex on screen was at the time. It was a lot of innuendo and not a lot of action. Gotcha. Remember that the production code was still in effect, and even though Some Like It Hot had just come out without its blessing, it would still be a couple more years until Psycho and the Pawnbroker would start to kill it off completely. Pillow Talk was an adult comedy, and huge Disney hits like The Shaggy Dog and Johnny Tremaine were very popular with kids, but there wasn't a huge market for teens because up until the early 60s, there was no such thing as teenagers. Late 1800s and 1900s kids helped their parents in the fields, at stores, around the house, etc. They went to school and did chores, but there was no teenage counterculture. Right. Once they were old enough to marry, which was like 13, they did that and they lived with their parents until eventually buying a home and then the whole thing started over again with their kids. There was no in-between being a kid and being an adult. That all changed after World War II when all the soldiers came home and started having kids in 1946, which is called... A baby boom. Yeah, the baby boom. And then life changed a lot for kids and families in post-war America. With the rise of more corporate and industrial jobs, so kids didn't need to work helping provide for the family. So now, do the math, in 1959, the first of those babies were now turning 13, and all of a sudden they weren't kids anymore, but they weren't adults either. Thus, Gidget was born. (laughs) 
Gidget was a 1959. I didn't know any of this. I mean, I've heard of Gidget, obviously, but just in kind of like jokes, you know. But yeah, Gidget was a 1959 film starring Sandra D as a 16 year old high schooler that becomes obsessed with the California surf culture, but not in any of the surfers as she's kind of a tomboy and a prude. You can see this in the pillow talk kind of culture at the time, which was like sex can like exist, but it cannot exist anywhere on screen. So even like Gidget being young, she can be into guys, but like as their friends, not as like a sexual object. Right. You can't bang Gidget. No one can bang Gidget. You may know all this from the song from Greece, where Rizzo makes fun of Olivia Newton-John character Sandy, which was obviously based after Sandra D, especially in the song, Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. Yeah. Gidget was a decent hit and was followed by two sequels and a TV series starring Sally Field as Gidget, and thus teenage surf culture was born. I remember the show. Yeah, I yeah. always thought it was originated as a show, but I know. It was years later. Okay. Yeah, huh. that when Sally Field played Gidget. The Beach Boys were formed in 1961, just as the Boomers were starting to turn 15, and then that was followed by the huge movie hit Beach Party from 1963. Oh, yeah. Beach Party is the first of seven Beach Party films from American International National Pictures, that's AIP. They're a big exploitation, you know, they kind are. of film. Like all the black exploitation movies are American International. Yeah. And it was aimed at a teen audience and it basically invented the beach party genre. While we may look back at this as a mainstream teen phenomena, most critics would say that Beach Party and its unofficial sequels were actually exploitation films. Remember that the nudist films of the mid to late 50s were documentaries that depicted the nudist lifestyle, but they had no sex. Right. They were followed by Nudie Cuties, which were comedies that featured no sex as seen in Russ Meyer's The Immoral Mr. T's from 1959. They gave way to the beach party genre, which is really odd when you think about it, because beach party movies had no sex and no nudity. At least the nudist films had nudity. Yeah. But they had stars, which none of the previous films had, and specifically they had Annette Funicello. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Annette Funicello made her start on the Mickey Mouse Club and was soon after signed to Walt Disney Pictures based on her popularity with kids in the mid-50s. As she got older, her boobs got bigger. They got (laughs) very big, as referenced in Stand By Me, and was really starting to be seen as more of an underage sex symbol, even though Disney desperately tried to keep up her, you know, virginal persona. A little jailbait aspect to to her there. All those baby boomer pervs. Those are our parents you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. The producers had seen Gidget in some Italian beach films and decided that teens, male and female, would love to see their favorite stars bouncing around in bathing suits, and they wrote Beach Party to star Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon. Frankie was kind of hot, too. Yeah. I'd tell you the plot, but there isn't really one. It's very mild sexual tension, a lot of musical numbers, and Annette Funicello in a very dowdy bikini that didn't even expose her belly button because Disney said she couldn't. So she's in a bikini, but the part, like, in between the top of the bikini and the bottom is like a centimeter you see just a little tiny like strip of flesh and like the bottom covers up her belly button disney wouldn't allow that it's like a c-section scar of skin it's it's basically (laughs) what it looks like and it was a huge hit the sequels and knockoffs started to show up and this is where we get our first beach party massacre movie so basically aip kind of came up with this like teenage exploitation genre and then that's what started this whole horror movie massacre uh, knockoff off of it so the horror of party beach from 1964 is widely accepted as one of the worst films ever made It actually even has its own Mystery Science Theater episode. And from what I can find, it's the first beach horror film ever made ripped pretty much exactly off of Creature from the Black Lagoon 10 years later. Creature from the Black Lagoon is not technically a beach party massacre movie because it's a lagoon, not a beach. Right, noted. Um, But but now, you know, basically what this is is that they take the monster from Creature from the Black Lagoon and insert it into the beach party musical genre. (laughs) And then they're like, here we go! An exploitation movie of an exploitation movie. Nice. 
So, rough plot, a container holding radioactive waste material springs a leak and interacts with a human skull at the bottom of the ocean. Did you ever talk about this in Toxic Waste? I didn't waste? talk about it. I yeah. was about to say that. I didn't talk about this in Toxic Waste, so I, I didn't know this movie existed. There just happened to be a human skull at the bottom of the ocean there. I mean, um, makes sense. But yeah. it's funny because, and you can totally tell when you watch it that they filmed it in an aquarium, and it's just one of those, like, fake, you know, like, pirate skull. You know, it's this big. It's, it's this like a big, fish tank skull? Yeah, it's as big as your thumbnail. Right. You know, and then the fish are clearly goldfish in there. Like, it doesn't look anything like nice. the sea or whatever. Excellent. I didn't even know what was happening. I had to read the wiki article just to understand the plot of this movie, which is not very deep of a plot. But Right. So shortly thereafter, the skull turns into a monster for some reason and heads into the beach in search of human blood. And it's joined by more of its kind. So they, they multiply. Okay. There's more than just one. The monsters murder this woman named Tina. She's a hard drinking party gal. And then they attack 20 girls at a seaside slumber party. Police turn to a scientist, his daughter, and her boyfriend, and they find out that sodium, an unstable metal that reacts violently to water, is the only substance capable. They kill it with Pepto-Bismol? <laughs> That's basically it. I mean, it was weird, because it also says sodium, but isn't sodium salt? I like your idea better that they killed it with Pepto-Bismol. Right, yeah. I'm probably the only person that's ever watched this movie all the way through, so... <laughs> wait, you watched this movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear the about this The pandemic was lonely, Tom. Don't judge. <laughs> anyway, the three find the monsters hiding place, and they destroy them. I also forgot to mention it was a musical. That was the thing about the Beach Party movies, is that they were all musicals, too. So when they insert these monsters into it, the musical numbers are there, too. Wow. So it's... It's super corny. But, I mean, the movie was kind of fun. It's just like, if you were from another planet, you would be like... Like, what the what fuck? What is this? Yeah. Like, it's confusing. Oh, and also, I'd like to show you what the monster looks like. Oh, can't wait to see it. It's terrifying. Are you ready? I uh, hope I this can't... doesn't give you nightmares. I hope not. All right, I'm going to turn my screen. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it on the website. Oh, please do. Yeah. It's not scary. That is not scary. Yeah. Oh, also on all of these movies, I'm going to tell you where they were filmed too. So we can go on a little Beach Party Massacre filming locations tour. So this was filmed in Stamford, Connecticut. And and while this was a terrible movie and not by any standard scary, even in the 60s, it was the beginning of an idea that, you know, even in a small beach tourist town, something could go wrong in real life and in the movies. It gets it a little bit closer to like horror in space, horror in a cabin in the woods. It's still not a great location, as you'll see going through most of this, but it's a fun one. So, okay. Soon after came the almost identical The Beach Girls and the Monster from 1965. I mentioned that The Horror of Party Beach was a musical. Yeah. So, so was this, but also the theme song was written by Frank Sinatra Jr. Oh, goodness. I'm going to play Baby, kiss just one more time. Put your lips so close to mine. Dance, baby, dance to the surfer dance. Woo! You're moving just fine. Keep on pushing that line. Surfing, baby, you're mine. Surfing, that is one catchy tune. <laughs> so when you say musicals, are these musicals like they start singing themselves or is it like they just start dancing to like music that just shows up on the soundtrack? Great question. All of the beach party musicals are normally, there's a band. There's okay. a beach band and they're playing. And like, as you saw in this, there's go-go girls that are dancing to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously in the beach party movies, not the massacre movies, you know, they've got Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon. So they're singing the songs, but they're usually not plots. So they're not like, we're singing a song that's going to carry the plot forward they're just singing like we're on the beach and we're having a ball there's a beach party bingo fun 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 like that's (laughs) the musical type of situation that it is so it's not they're not narrating the plot or doing anything it's just like periodically there just be a song they're singing it and the action is everyone's dancing on the beach to the beach party song gotcha thanks for clarifying that sure also, that little ditty was was quite catchy that you just sang there, too. So, good Gonna work. I'll wake you up tonight and sing it. Ugh. Normally, I wouldn't even mention this movie because it's exactly the same as the horror of Party Beach. But it does have a couple of tropes that kick it into some other movies that we're going to talk about a little bit later today. Okay. The one thing, this has nothing to do with anything, but the girls, because this is basically taking that movie, it's inserting uh, go-go dancers into it, which was the hot thing at that second. But the, the plot of this is instead of it being kind of like a toxic waste situation, 
all the go-go dancers are attacked by a genetically mutated carnivorous South American Fantigua fish that has grown large enough in anthropomorphic manner to exist out of the oceans in a seaweed kind of shrouded form. Yeah, yeah. It basically looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon, except they stapled fake seaweed. Right, they just draped grass on them. Right. And that's really the only different thing. So toxic chemicals in the first one and now genetic mutation fish in the second one. Nice. And so you take these monster movie exploitations of Creature from the Black Lagoon, you smash them together with the beach party exploitation craze, and now you have exploitation films of an exploitation genre. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's layers of exploitation. So many layers. Like I didn't even think, I just thought that the beach party movies were like so mainstream that they were like Hollywood studio movies. That is not not true they were aip films okay yeah i didn't know that all right so the beach girls and the monster was filmed on the beaches of la one mid-60s beach horror film would break this man in a costume monster trope and that film was the flesh eaters from 1964 it's not a great movie by any means but it has a lot of gore and body horror for a 1964 black and white film and probably would have been a lot more popular if blood feast hadn't come out the year before and invented the gore genre in full color yeah blood feast also has a gruesome brain eating beach scene but that doesn't really classify it as a beach party massacre movie they did shoot it in miami but that's really the only beach part of it. it yeah the flesh eaters is about a rich actress that hires a pilot to fly from new york to provincetown in massachusetts but a storm forces them to land on a small island they meet a marine biologist with a german accent who's living in seclusion and after a series of strange skeletons wash ashore it turns out that the water has been inhabited by some sort of glowing microbe which apparently devours flesh like super super fast and then you find out that the scientist this russian scientist guy is a a former U.S. government agent who was sent to Nazi Germany to recover as much of the scientific data as possible is now attempting to cultivate them to sell as biological weapons. It's not like a monster per se. It's like stuff in there that's like flesh eating and it kind of like, you know, eats you. Yeah. And then at the end, I, don't, I forget what they do. They dump Pepto-Bismol and I guess it dies, but they kill it at the end. So you can start to see that some of the biological toxic waste Nazi scientist experiments or how this genre really starts. Yeah, yeah. It's also kind of where it ends. The Flesh Eaters, which was filmed on Montauk, Long Island, and many other monster movies like this weren't really in style at this time anyway. And so the beach party craze obviously started to wane in popularity in the late 60s. The horror genre was taking a turn too. Like, remember the late 60s and, and 70s horror films were more about religion and Satanism, you know, like Rosemary's Baby and yeah, The Exorcist. Yeah. But there were two films from the 70s I want to talk about before a slew of beach party massacre movies came out in the 80s. Okay. I've looked forever for this movie. I can't find it anywhere. It's called Welcome to Arrow Beach from 1974. Never heard of it. Yeah. And it sounds pretty fucked up. I even did a dig on it and all of its titles. So its other titles were Tender Flesh (laughs) and No One Would Believe Her deranged and cold storage but i couldn't i just could not find this movie anywhere i've seen reviews of it people talk actually people kind of like it but like couldn't find it anywhere so if anyone happens to have a copy of any of these titles but most commonly known as welcome to arrow beach please let us know i would love to see it rough plot a hippie hitchhiker decides to take shelter in the beachfront home of a korean war vet little does she know that he's a former air force pilot who once resorted to cannibalism after he and his crew were brought down in the desert. After befriending a medical technician, they stumble upon a meat locker full of human remains. As they do so, this guy like appears with a cleaver, and from what I can tell, it turns into a slasher movie after that, which is interesting because it came out the same year as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, huh. and we can obviously see which cannibal meat cleaver movie won in the long run. Yeah. Certainly. But I wanted to mention it because it is the first cannibal movie set on a beach until Zombie 2 from 1979. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just FYI, there is no Zombie 1. It was named that to capitalize on Dawn of the Dead, even though it's an Italian film and basically bears no resemblance to Dawn of the Dead, other than being a zombie movie. Zombie 2 opens in New Year's. Have you seen this one? No, but I've seen the parts that you're probably going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. I really like the premise of it, which is it opens in... In New York City when I, I wrote a ghost sailboat. Is that a thing? <laughs> if there's nobody on the boat, is that called a ghost? Technically, it's called a ghost ship. A, a ghost ship, right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wrote ghost sailboat. That takes it into a different... <laughs> woo! Yeah, ghost, ghost catamaran. Sailboat. I don't know what he just making. Yeah, it's got a big sheet over top of it, little <laughs> eyes cut out. 
So the ghost sailboat is discovered by a couple of cops and are immediately attacked by zombies. So the daughter of the boat's captain sets out to the beaches of an island in the Caribbean to find out what happened, if her father is there, you know, whatever. All hell breaks loose on the island as it was a research center for reanimating zombie corpses, but luckily two of the main characters escape on a boat. They make it to New York City, but as they approach, a radio broadcast informs them that New York City is under zombie siege from the initial boat that showed up at the beginning of the movie gotcha so it starts off with this thing but then they're like oh my god we finally got off this crazy zombie island and then they're back on another one which is new york yeah, now. yeah. it's clever i thought that is clever zombie 2 is a pretty decent movie but i want to go ahead and talk about one scene in particular which you probably know it's the underwater scene where a zombie and a shark go head to head yeah and I don't want to steal your thunder, but it's a stunt dude in zombie makeup fighting a real fucking shark. It's exactly what it is. So after Jaws, the producers of Zombie wanted to spice up the zombie genre a little (laughs) bit. So they found an underwater cameraman willing to play a zombie and go head to head with a sedated full shark. I say full because they just fed it and fed it and fed it and fed it. Before this, then they pumped it full of sedatives so that it wouldn't be hungry and try to eat this cameraman. Right. And they dressed up the cameraman like a zombie and then they just prayed that everything would be okay yeah the scene is not particularly remarkable i didn't think because the the shark's pretty zonked out and the zombie is like antagonizing the shark which is kind of funny but (laughs) yeah it's not the most amazing scene but can you believe they actually did this yeah and you don't see oxygen near him kind of like a a bit of a wide shot so this dude's like holding his breath and provoking the shark so speaking of italian horror a year after the 1980 Joe D'Amato film Anthropophagus came out and featured one of the grossest cannibal scenes ever. I don't think you've seen this one. I'd heard about it, but never seen it. This and and, uh, Zombie 2 are both in the video nasties list, by the way. Right. It's about some tourists that become stranded on a remote Greek island that appears to be deserted. The tourists are picked off one at a time until it's revealed that the killer, he like shows up and he has his own flashback Mm. and he was stranded on on a boat just like a little canoe dinghy type of thing okay his son dies he tries to get his wife to eat the son's dead body like to survive you know because okay. they're like in a Dahmer party situation the wife is like i'm not gonna eat my dead son it's disgusting and he's got like a knife and he's trying to be like no let me cut my son open and we can eat him and then he accidentally stabs her she throws herself at him and stabs herself basically on the knife and so now he just goes around on this island that he landed on that he got stranded on and just like eats everybody stabs and eats everybody right but then there is this one pregnant woman and he goes up to her and he rips out and eats her unborn child. Ugh. So that's what happened on that little beach island. How are the effects on that? Did you see the scene? Yeah, it's gross, but like, you know, it's 1970s Italian horror. I didn't mind it that much. Okay. I, thought it was, I thought it was fun. I can see why it was like super, super shocking. I also knew it was coming. I was sure. waiting for it. I was only watching the movie for the one scene. So you know how I am. I'm like, nah, I fucked a dead body. No big deal, you know? <laughs> I love this next awful movie. And we almost watched it together one night, but we had both seen it recently. And that movie is Blood Beach from 1980. And it was filmed right in my new neighborhood in Venice Beach. Blood Beach is basically tremors, but set at the ocean and, you know, not as good. People start going missing in Venice Beach. And we know that they're being attacked by something that pulls them into the sand. There's a whole stupid cop investigation. And you finally realize that a monster has been grabbing people and storing their half-eaten bodies under the Santa Monica Pier. That evening, the huge creature emerges from the sand and it's caught on camera and it's kind of like a worm-like Venus fly trappy kind of kinda, thing. Yeah. It's, it's not as like snaky as the Tremors monster. It's kind of like a big blob of like Java the Hut. Kinda it's just it's just a big old mouth sort of it's not really it's weird. It's, it's not. not scary. No. Yeah. And super fake looking. They didn't have any money for it, I guess. Yeah. The cops activate a detonator and the creature is blown to pieces. I actually really like the ending, though, because the creature is a giant worm. And, you know, some worms have the capability to regenerate. And over top of the end credits, as the beach becomes crowded again, new small sinkholes begin to appear unnoticed all over the sand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's implying that the creature has the ability to regenerate from its severed pieces which i thought was a deal it set it up for a sequel there's no reason why this movie should no. ever have a sequel this movie's boring too it's boring yeah. it's super boring some facts i don't know if i'm gonna 
I don't care if I steal your thunder, but Polly from the Rocky movies is the cop, the yeah. lead investigator. God, he sucks. Too. And it's basically if you just gave Polly a badge because he's the same character but yeah. with a badge investigating really his. out of place in venice beach really out of does place. not fit in he's well. like a new york cop and he's like hey what's going on with all this uh things and <laughs> well, all the smoking a cigar yeah, and, you know, the, and all the californians are like what are you talking about that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it. so out of place i also want to mention that blood beach and tremors were not the only monsters in the sand movies these don't really qualify as necessarily beach party massacre movies but i thought okay. i'd bring them up there was sand sharks from 2011 which I don't think I have to tell you the plot. There's sharks that jump out of the sand and eat people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched it when it first came out. It's it's one of those Sharknado-y type movies with right. a bunch of old Purposely 90s shitty. stars. <laughs> anyway, it takes place on the Malibu Pier. And as I was watching it, we had I had just finished wrapping some commercials that we shot on the Malibu Pier. And I was like, oh, I just shot there. Fun, fun. And then all of a sudden, this actress like shows up and she's kind of like a B-movie actress or whatever. And I was like, that's the actress we use in the commercial that we shot on this pier and then it was the exact same person so I found that kind of funny she was only in that one movie and the one commercial that I did and then a few years later there was The Sand which is a bunch of drunk teens wake up after a wild beach party and realize the sand has eaten their friends and is now trying to eat them this is more of kind of like flesh eaters type of thing of where the sand isn't like an actual like monster it's got when you put your finger down it's like little tendrils come up and like grab you they never really explain it's a shitty shitty movie right but the pandemic was lonely i actually went to (laughs) miami and was shooting some commercials there over pandemic where i was writing this episode and i was like let me watch the sand and i watched it and i thought it was mentioning in the context of blood beach but nowhere else i'll never mention the movie the sand ever again excuse me okay okay back to the 80s humanoids from the deep from 1980 we watched it together that's right i kept thinking like i've seen this before when was it roger corman produced it was a female director and when they were done with the movie he was just like this isn't schlocky enough this doesn't have nearly enough nudity or violence like i think he liked the end scene which was actually very good you remember the end is like a bloodbath yeah yeah. like the humanoids all come out onto like they're having like a pier party all the yeah it's like a festival like something festival yeah it's like a beachy pier festival and all of these things come out they i think spoiler they have to they, they can't reproduce themselves they have to rape women in order to do it yes and so they they're all out there raping all these women and killing the men they kill the men and rape the women that's how they but but then the the best is the the last scene at the The end very last scene yeah they rape these women and i guess they die after they give birth or whatever but they rescued one like the people if you remember the people went into their lair killed a bunch of them and rescued this one girl who was there and she was pregnant Mm -hmm. the very end she's um you know she's pregnant she's about to give birth and it just like busts out of her stomach like alien i wrote alien style yeah you've now seen monster babies like the maggot baby and the fly and stuff like that it's still fun it's actually it's entertaining i mean it's schlock and it's trash and it's rapey and there's a lot of nudity but i I enjoyed it me too well it's funny because it is the horror of party beach but with nudity and gore and rapiness yeah Yeah. so it's really kind of you know based on really the first beach party massacre movie it's just been updated you know for roger corman style so right That was filmed in California in Mendocino, Fort Bragg, and Noyo. Here's another one for you. John Carpenter's The Fog from 1980. Oh, yeah. I I feel like this one is never listed in, like, John Carpenter movies. It's always, like, one that's, like, further down the list. But I I, like it. I thought it was really, really good. Pretty rough plot here. There's a small beach town in California. Everyone's ready to party until there's a... It's a hundred anniversary of the town. That's what it is. Yeah. And then a mysterious fog starts to roll in and, and people start dying. It's basically ghost pirates with leprosy that... That were murdered a hundred years ago and to prevent them from forming a leper colony in a small town like all the people killed them yeah you know because they were like we don't we don't want this small town to be like a leper colony or whatever and now a hundred years later they're all back and they're like you shouldn't have killed us lepers are cool too <laughs> and i actually didn't know this but apparently theaters set up fog machines in the lobbies of theaters when it was released i didn't in know 1980 that's very william yeah, castle very william castle um, yeah that's so, really cool i didn't know that filmed in marin county california okay never even heard of this one 
The Mutilator from 1984. I've heard of the movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Free on Tubi, by the way. Watch this one. Movie opens on a kid who's cleaning his father's hunting rifle and accidentally shoots and kills his mom. His dad discovers his wife's body, causing him to have a mental breakdown, and it fucks up his relationship with his son. Flash forward a few years later, and now the son is in college, and he and his horny friends all drive down to his dad's condo at the beach for a, you know, beach party week mentally deranged dad picks them off one by one and there is this one scene at the end that is absolutely insane though after the dad kills everyone but his grown son and his prudish girlfriend they try to drive away but the dad is on top of the car he's trying to kill them through the canvas convertible top with one of those uh, like a blade saw is that what it's called sure the girlfriend ends up smashing him between a cinder block wall and the car grill and he breaks into two pieces so this man is in two pieces the upper half half is over here and the lower half is over here you know what i mean like it's not they're not attached these are two different body parts parts. yeah Yeah, separate so then a cop shows up like not 20 minutes later but a couple minutes later the guy should be dead the dad should be dead he should be yeah quite dead and the dead top half of the dad picks up the blade saw and cuts the cop's leg off of it oh my god it's just his upper body is like legs and trunk and penis and everything are like over <laughs> on the other side and he picks it up so i really enjoyed that the, this movie is terrible yeah but that when i was like this is good so far this and welcome to arrow beach are the only two movies that happen to take place on a beach for like no real reason like all the other ones humanoids from the deep and everything like they have to take place on the beach yeah all the other films involve being like stranded on an island or pirates or radioactive sea creatures this next movie though takes place on the beach for no real reason but the location actually really sets the tone and has a real life violent history as well there's always kind of a centerpiece in these types of topics so it's like the movie that i wanted to write about and then came up with a topic to center it around yeah so for amputees it was boxing helena for fat exploitation it was norbit and for today beach party massacre centerpiece is the joel schumacher film the lost boys from 1987 i should have known Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. We talked about it a little bit when we ironically were on the beach this morning. Yeah. It wasn't always supposed to be Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Haim, and Jason Patrick, you know, kind of teen beat R-rated vampire film. Did you know this? I think so. Weren't they initially looking for younger? Yeah. So in fact, the original screenplay was about a bunch of Goonie type fifth and sixth grade kid vampires with the Frog Brothers being, put this in quotes, chubby eight-year-old Cub Scouts and Star, the hot chick of the movie, being a boy instead of a love interest. Okay. So the original inspiration came from Peter Pan, duh. It's called The Lost Boys. And, you know, the idea was, you know, they can fly. They visited Wendy and her brothers at night and never grew old. And the simple notion that Peter Pan was a vampire was kind of the genesis for the story. Yeah. But when they finally got Joel Schumacher on board, he hated that idea and he really wanted to sex the whole thing up a little bit. So he wanted them to be sexy teenagers. He wanted to be R-rated. He wanted it to be like that movie that like kids had to sneak into the theater to go see. He wanted it to be like violent and like dangerous, you know? Yeah. Hot and gay, you know? (laughs) I snuck into it. You did? I wasn't old enough to go see it. Yeah. I mean, I could get it in an R-rated movies then i mean the virginia as a kid but nobody gave a shit so yeah. i could sneak in everything but yeah i mean i was you know 14 or whatever i didn't see it until i was a little bit older and i saw it on vhs but i was like this is hot this it's a good is a movie. Hot movie i really yeah. enjoy that movie it's great so i know all of this to be true because you know i've met joel schumacher <laughs> You have. Yeah, you worked with him. This is shout out to listener Shannon, too. But we were shooting some commercials, and one of the clients knew Joel Schumacher. She was a friend of his. And we were all like, yeah, sure, she knows Joel Schumacher. And all of a sudden, we're like, well, Joel Schumacher is directing these commercials. And so I didn't work with him. He sent us a case of champagne when the the shoot was over. And then he came to the agency. He walked through. I was introduced to him, spoke to him for a moment. 
And he turned around and looked at the whole creative department and he said, this department has got a whole bunch of hot ass in it. <laughs> Something along the lines of that. I forgot. I th- he was like, he everybody a- here is a hot piece of hot ass. Hot piece of ass. That's what he said. Because we wrote it down on the whiteboard that was like, like a quote. Like, yeah. Hot piece. Of- Everyone here is a hot piece of ass from Joel Schumacher. Right. And we were all so impressed. <laughs> we felt really good about that. That's that we awesome. were reduced down to, he was like 80 at the time. I was pretty proud of that. You so. should be. Yeah. Here's the thing, too, with that. That's probably the last thing he ever directed. I think it was, because he just died maybe, like, last year, yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't think he did anything after that. R.I.P. Joel Schumacher. Probably the best compliment I've ever gotten. Yeah. It's funny. So one of the interesting things about The Lost Boys is its filming location, which is almost a character in the movie. And as you've noticed, I've been talking about where these places were actually filmed. It's a little bit of a lead-up to this. So it's based in the fictional town and in California, and in the film's opening credits, Someone has spray-painted the murder capital of the world on the back of a billboard. And the movie was actually shot in Santa Cruz, California, about an hour south of San Francisco. And a lot of people in Santa Cruz are very critical of the movie The Lost Boys because they said that it gave Santa Cruz this bad rep for being the murder capital of the world. Yeah. But the truth is, is that Joel Schumacher, they didn't make that up. Santa Cruz was already called the murder capital of the world since it had not one, not two, not three, but four serial killers who were convicted of 30 murders between 1970 and 1981. Damn. That's a lot of serial killers. Two is a lot of serial killers. Yeah. They had four crowd so while some say the lost boys gave it that name santa cruz was actually chosen because it was a town that already had a lot of strange disappearances and murders and so the idea that vampires were responsible wasn't really a huge stretch no and as we talked about a small beach tourist town is the perfect place for something to go wrong in real life and in the movies true so they kind of took some real life stuff and 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 kind of smashed it all together i just thought that was really cool that is really cool i mean not the murders that was awful but yeah making it vampire and stuff. Horror movies in the late 80s and early 90s took a little bit of a different direction with Candyman, Child's Play, Leprechaun, and the Hellraiser franchises mostly dominating the genre. It wasn't really until Kevin Williamson reinvented the genre with Scream and then followed it up with the not-as-good Beach Party Massacre slasher I Know What You Did Last Summer Mm -hmm. that we started seeing some new ideas in the horror genre. So I saw I Know What You Did Last Summer in the theater when it came out and watched it again one lonely pandemic Saturday night... I thought it was a great premise, not a great execution. Yeah. You saw this? Did you see it back in the day? Yeah, I don't remember much of it. I know the Gordon Fisherman is killing her. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically correct. The Gordon's Fisherman, yeah. So the premise is late one July 4th evening, a bunch of drunk teens in a North Carolina fishing town accidentally hit someone on a windy, desolate road and decide to throw the body in the ocean instead of reporting it. Yeah. The man is still kind of alive, but they do it anyway and just kind of hope that he's dead, which turns out to be a kind of a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. A year later, they're all back in the same town, and Jennifer Love Hewitt gets a note that says, I know what you did last summer, and it turns into a slasher, and the fisherman basically tracks them down and starts killing everybody one by one. They try to figure out who did it. I think I'm getting this right. Anne Hesh is in this movie kind of for no reason, but Hmm. it was like... They think it was her brother, but what actually happened was like her brother was killed by some other, the Gordon's fisherman, right. and it was actually the Gordon's fisherman, and it had something to do with his brother's girlfriend or something like that. Anyway, it's kind of a, it's a pretty shitty whodunit, right. especially when the answer is the Gordon's fisherman. <laughs> One reason why I didn't really love it, especially when it came out, is because, you know, Scream kind of reworked the whole genre. It made it kind of a comedy, but then Scream is actually a really scary movie. And in I Know What You Did Last Summer, they set it up like it's supposed to be this like urban legendy type of thing. It's like the guy with the hook hand. It's like, no, he left it on the car door. No, he was tapping on the window with it. No, right. hand came off and someone jammed a hook on it, like all this stuff. But then they it never goes anywhere after that. Like, gotcha. It kind of opens with all of that stuff. And so you think it's going to be an urban legend flipped on its head, you know, a la Kevin Williams and it's... And it's the Gordon's Fisherman. Right. Yeah. This was shot in Jenner, California and Bodega Bay where The Birds was filmed actually. And a little bit of in North Carolina. It's supposed to be in North Carolina. It looks, if you've ever been to North Carolina, it looks nothing like 
North Carolina. It's like these rocky coasts and like right. all these like windy roads up the mountain. North Carolina is like the flattest place you've ever been. There are no rocks. There's, There's no, rocky, no rocky coasts. Anyway, so I only have three more movies I want to talk about because I feel like I've covered the gist of this topic. And also there's parodies of this genre. I want to make sure I have time to talk about it at the end. The first of the three is in the 2000s called The Bay from 2012. You know this one? I know. And I've seen parts of it. I know it's like a virus or something or whatever. That's right. It's similar in style to the Blair Witch Project. It's kind of set up as like a documentary that goes in a whole different direction. Yeah. Which is directed by Barry Levinson, which I was kind of surprised by. He was asked to produce a documentary about problems facing the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia and Maryland, where we both grew up. He didn't do the documentary because Frontline had already covered the same issue, but he decided to use the research to produce a horror film, which he hoped would shed light on the issues facing the Chesapeake because he's actually from Maryland. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. So rough plot, it's all found footage, but there's a rookie reporter that's doing an investigative report about a small beach town but there's like rumors that the steroids and stuff that they're feeding chickens in the area is like all running off into the Chesapeake Bay okay so like basically what happens is she's doing like documentary about like cool beach towns of the Chesapeake and it turns into a horror movie basically everybody gets infected with like chicken hormone poo and <laughs> it starts eating everybody but from the inside out so they're like ingesting this thing and it's like kind of like the flesh eaters and yeah. you know one of the first three films I talked about. And so it's basically like isopods in this one, which are fish parasites. And they're eating all of these chicken hormone, poo-poo hormone things. And super parasites. Yeah, exactly. And turning into super parasites. I should have talked about this in Parasites. I yeah. didn't know about this. Yeah, right. it's a good one. Uh, this one's fun. It, like, it does kind of get lost in a lot of those found footage movies. There's so many of them at yeah. the time. And so like, it's a good movie. It didn't really do much at the box office. It had a little bit of a thing because it was one of the first like Netflix streaming movies Like after the DVD things kind of like fell off. Yeah. But you know, you do see the remnants of the genre, the flesh eaters, horror party beat. And there's another one called The Beach House in 2020. Similar parasite theme, but it also mixes in fog too. So here's the perfect combination of the bay and the fog kind of smashed together. Got pretty good reviews, believe it or not. It's a low budget film about two couples staying at a beach house that start realizing something is very wrong with the water as they watch glowing microbes light it all up. Oh, wow. And then a fog rolls in and starts spreading them around. So it's like, you know, it's pulling them out of the water. They're all up in the trees. They're in people's skin, like hair and stuff. Everybody starts getting infected. It's kind of like a body horror global warming story it does end up that these things were kind of like released from underwater caverns because of global warming i haven't seen this movie but sounds pretty good and it's very from the trailer it looks very much like it follows like a very slow kind of paced like dread horror movie as opposed to like a slasher like body horror movie but looks pretty good yeah last film technically jordan peels us as a beach party massacre it is technically yeah what are you people it's us they look exactly like us they think like us they know where we are We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. I love this movie. I know the critics loved it. I know the audiences weren't as impressed. I thought it was really great. I'm not going to spoiler it, but I do want to plug it as one of the more original beach party massacre movies we've seen in a while. In 1986, a young girl wanders away from her parents while at a beach arcade in, want to guess? Santa Cruz. That's right. The murder capital of the world where the Lost Boys take place. In fact, there's a line that says at the very beginning, they're shooting a movie over there by the Ferris wheel, which is actually supposed to be the Lost Boys. Yeah. I love that. That's great. She wanders into a fun house and something traumatic happens there, but we don't know what it is. And then we flash forward to present day and she goes back to that same beach where the dramatic thing is coming to a head, ultimately leading to a mirror version of her and her family, along with everyone else in America. Everybody's got a double and those versions of us kill us, basically. Yeah. All right. That's the end of the Beach Party Massacre movies. But I should also add that the same year the Lost Boys came out, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello made an homage or kind of 
parody of their own beach party genre called Back to the Beach. I remember, remember Back those? to the Beach, yeah. They were parents and their daughter was none other than, you know who this was? No, I forgot. Jailbird Lori Laughlin. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Play their daughter. <laughs> O.J. Simpson was another jailbird. O.J. Simpson was in it. Pee Wee Herman. And not, there's a lot of jailbirds. There's a lot of people I didn't even get that when I wrote it. Problems. Yes. All three of these have one thing in common. Similar to the beach party movies, there wasn't much of a plot, but from what I remember, it was a campy kind of self-deprecating, you know, kind of spoof. I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah. It was cute. A few years later, there was Alien Beach Party Massacre from 1996. It's on YouTube. It's pretty bad quality, but the synopsis, I didn't watch it. I copied this directly from IMDb. A group of aliens steal a highly advanced weapon called a death sphere, but crash land on Earth during their getaway. The spear, which looks exactly like a volleyball, ends up on a beach where teens are having a party. Okay. Spoof. Then there was Psycho Beach Party from 2000, which was based on an off-Broadway play and almost titled Gidget Goes Psychotic. Oh, I didn't that's, know that part, but I've seen funny. part of that movie. Yeah. Uh, the title was changed due to concerns about copyright. Do you want to tell us anything? I obviously didn't want to watch this. I saw some of it. All I remember is, um, I think Lauren Ambrose, because she was in Six Feet Under, is the nice girl, sort of like the Sandra D, but then she's also psychotic as that's well. That's the main character. It's multiple personalities. Okay. One of them is a murderer. Okay, yeah. And then the last one is Stomp, Shout, Scream, also called Monster Beach Party from 2005, is basically the beach party genre combined with monster movie parody set in 1966 and features an all-girl garage rock band and the legend of the skunk ape, which was the Florida (laughs) Everglades version of Bigfoot. So you can see all of this is just this trope piled on this trope piled on this trope piled on this trope to try to make something new, but it really is. You know, I mean, even us, I mean, it's a relatively new idea, but it is a lot of other tropes of other like 80s movies and and thriller by Michael Jackson, you know, kind of all jammed in one. So here's my wrap up for this. This topic wasn't exactly the powerhouse that I was thinking that it was (laughs) when I originally conceived of it. And it's not just that I wanted to talk about Jill Schumacher calling me a hot piece of ass. Um, (laughs) I I love that Beach Party movies exist. You know, the original ones, the Annette Funicello and the Frankie Avalon ones, are exploitation films and adding monsters to them just makes this genre a double exploitation which I just thought was fascinating yeah and since we're starting this season right after a year and a half of awful solitary pandemic I thought I would start with something fun and dumb and summery and just stupid so you checked all those blocks and it was a lot of fun <laughs> good yeah, fun. did you like it I did and there's this couple of this quick aside so I still know what you did last summer which yeah. I guess technically should be called and know what you did two summers ago mm-hmm. that's better then there's a fog remake which i don't think anybody saw i didn't see it it was relatively recent 2000 20 2016 or something like that yeah i saw that it exists and was so i heard it was garbage but no i enjoyed the episode this is great i'm trying to dusting off the cobwebs and getting back out here again so this is a good episode to start with yeah it's good it's stupid you know there's (laughs) uh there's some higher brow stuff towards the back end of this but i thought i would start off with beach party massacre and yeah just fun in the sun and hanging around and dicking around (laughs) with the net funicello We can start our own party band. We can. You kick this. You're halfway done yeah. writing a song. She's so. got big boobs. She's a Disney queen. It's a great song. That's really, really, really good. Yeah, you're that's going to be. Well, up. I'll write a whole album Hot for. Piece of that. <laughs> I'll write a whole album for when you come to visit me in Venice Beach. And, I'm excited uh, for we'll that. We'll turn the whole trip into a beach party massacre musical. That sounds amazing. Hope you enjoyed our first episode in two years. I mean, if you didn't, there's better stuff coming. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Yep. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find the links to some of the movies we talked about today. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter where we share a lot of additional content. And if you like the show or have any comments or suggestions, please drop us an email at slumsoffilmhistory at gmail.com or write us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.
I think I opened up the episode and said, like, this isn't going to cover, like, people in costumes or, like, anything that's just, like, serial killers on the beach, like, anything like that. It's just going to be about, like, sharks and octopi and stuff like that. It's octopuses. Did you know that? It's octopussies? <laughs> yes, it's octopussies. Yep. It's not octopi. No, it's I octopuses. I felt like I was being so polite. 